Hello and welcome to an all new edition of Talking Football with the Bundesliga show, your source for all things German football. My name is Nick Wiltagen and I have a bit of a special episode lined up for you today. In part one, I'll be chatting to Dutch journalist Margaret Timmer about the ever increasing German influence at PSV Eindhoven in the light of Okolga Schmidt taking over as a coach and Mario Götze joining the club. And in part two of the show, you'll be hearing an excerpt from this week's episode of Talking Fußball Extra featuring Deutsche Welle journalist Felix Tamsud. Joining me now is Marco Timmer, a journalist with the Netherlands' oldest football magazine, Football International. Uh, he's uh, And he's here to talk a little bit about PSV Eindhoven and the ever-increasing German influence at the club. Welcome to the show, Marco. Okay, hello. Good to be there. Great. So, Roger Schmidt, uh, or Roger Schmidt, rather, was announced Roger, as... Roger, Roger, yeah. Roger, Roger Schmidt. Schmidt. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, Roger Schmidt was announced as the club's new head coach back in March this year. He was given a two-year deal starting at the beginning of the season. Now, most German football fans will know what sort of manic attacking football Schmidt stands for. What are the expectations of him from the fans and the board in the Netherlands? When you want to talk about that, we have to go back one to maybe three seasons where Philippe Cocu uh, has played a certain style and later on Mark van Bommel played a certain style and they want to break with that style. That style was a little bit um, from dominance but always possession of the ball on the own half and then building football to, towards the, the opponent goal. And now they want to break with that tradition And they, uh, uh, yeah, they have Roger Schmidt, and they want to, uh, yeah, understand. They want to see his playing style: active football, attractive football, with pressing, gegen pressing. Um, that's what they expect, and that's what they want. And so, a whole new style of uh, playing, and a whole new style of thinking about football. And it's a little bit of a culture change uh, at PSV Eindhoven at the moment. So is this sort of a long-term project? Is he going to get time even if results are not going his way? Because, I mean, this is a club with 24 national titles, the last coming in the 2017-18 season. I mean, the worst finish that I've had in the last few years was actually a sixth-place finish in 2014. So you would expect that the board and the fans would expect the team to attack high up the table, wouldn't you? Yeah, that's, that's true. That's completely true. It's, uh, last season was one of the most terrible Uh, periods in the club history with uh, uh, with uh, the sacking of Mark van Bommel and uh, everything that happened with fans and everybody was uh, not satisfied. There were a lot of rumors and um, the board was on the fire. Uh, Jean de Jong, the technical director, was on the fire. Uh, so it was, uh, was a, na a, a very nasty situation. Um, and what they did was... Um, uh, 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 regain some energy and they put a lot of uh, confidence in Roger Schmidt and his staff because he has three assistants also from Germany um, and they gave him a sort of the key to the club and said to him okay we will help you uh, with your style uh, with your philosophy uh, tell us what you want and we will try to help you so they gave him the key and um, all these players all new players came Uh, so everything is new at the club. New energy has to be uh, uh, the, 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 the base of the success, the future success. They said it's a long-term um, project. I don't think so. They want immediate, uh, immediately success. 
So that, that's why they that that's why they get those uh, these players like Eran Sahafi, uh, Mario Götz, uh, uh, Ibrahim Zangare, Philip Max, uh, Adrian Fine, uh, Yvonne Vogo. So they everything is new at the club. So it's a, a little bit of a shock. <laughs> yeah, I mean that Götze move uh, you mentioned there. That really made some headlines in Germany and it, uh, it really su took a lot of people by surprise because, you know, there was that rumor that he was going to Hertha, then there was rumors of him going to Italy and suddenly he signs for a Dutch club. Um, how, how did this move come about? Yeah, it was a big surprise for the club also. <laughs> it, was, uh, it, was, it is an amazing move uh, which, which raises the eyebrows in, in, in Germany and also in in Holland, but this is a, a Roger Schmidt deal. Um, since he came back from uh, China, um, yeah, he had he had this contact with Mario and asking him about his plans, what he was going to do, and they kept contact uh, several times, and they phoned and they talked. And of course, Mario Götze is, is a really good name, um, but didn't play too well and too much the last season at Dortmund. Um, yes, he could go to the uh, Milan, uh, Inter, Inter Milan, and uh, AC Milan, and Lazio, and he could go to uh, England, and he could go to America and Hertha. But um, I think um, he wants to regain uh, the love of the game, and he wants to get out of Germany with uh, the presses all over him uh, all the time because of his, uh, his 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 goal in the World Cup final 2014. Uh, he he made himself uh, a superstar uh, only with that goal, and the pressure is always on him, and the eyes are always on him. And I think he wants to escape that. Uh, and in Holland, everything is more calm. There is a, a more a relaxed press, uh, not that built uh, Zeitung, and but uh, I think that's one of the reasons. And uh, I think also reason is that the full gas football from Dortmund, he couldn't play anymore. Um, it's it's too quick for him. Uh, it's big with Haaland. It's it's difficult for him and um, re re uh, constantly reaction football. Uh, it's very difficult. And uh, now in Holland, there's, I guess it's the competition is um, not that good as the Bundesliga. So uh, he gets more time on the ball. The players are, are a little less uh, less good than than in Germany. So he has more. Uh, more time to expose his qualities um, and that's I think Roger Schmidt is the main reason and also escape from Germany the calmness of the competition I think that are the main reasons for Mario Götze to choose for Holland to regain love of the game he's only 28 years old eh? yeah he is I mean he's he's basically a footballer who, who you would expect to be on his last big contract right about now uh, given this situation so uh, I think that's also why, the, why that move caught a lot of people by surprise uh, you went to his presentation yesterday did he say anything interesting yes it was a good presentation I've, I found him uh, very uh, relaxing he, he was laughing you could see that uh, uh, I asked him for I asked Mario Götze uh, that happened a lot around you um, are you here to regain love of the game? Uh, he didn't admit that because yeah, I, I can understand he didn't, but it was uh, clearly that he is moving to Holland for that reason. Um, and I think that uh, when he can catch up with the PSV game and uh, get pleasure with Roger Schmidt and he can reach his top level, and then he wants to move back to a big competition. I think that is his goal. 
Um, but yesterday was a good presentation. Uh, there were a lot of press also from uh, Germany. Um, but but he, he managed well and uh, didn't avoid any questions. So uh, I think uh, he's, he's, he's in good shape also. Everybody can uh, could see he's in good shape. Eh? In the last years, there were some questions about his um, uh, shape, also because he had this, uh, this disease, yeah? um, which, uh, which made him gain some weight and uh, the, uh, the injuries in the let's say muscles, yes. So, but uh, it was a good presentation, and he made a very relaxing impression. So, uh, I think PSV, uh, I think he needs two, three weeks to become game fit, and then PSV has got a good player. Yeah, and and that, that's basically what the fans expect from him to be be that guy on the pitch who kind of bring him bring a bit of magic to the game. Yeah, I think he can. Uh, there's no question about his football abilities. <laughs> he's uh, now he's a very gifted and talented player, but. Um, yeah, uh, there are a lot of circumstances um, that happened to him why he didn't show the qualities that he has in him. And I think when he's here, uh, he's, uh, PSV Eindhoven is a very calm club. And it's a good, uh, Eindhoven is a good surrounding for him. It's, it's, it, it will give him energy. And it will give him, bring him back the joy and the pleasure of the game. And then if that happens, if that happens, I think you will see it in... Um, in the way he can play, and I hope for him because yeah, it's it's I, I can imagine what happens when you when you score uh, the winning goal in a World Cup final, then you you shoot yourself beyond the stars in another universe, and yeah, and, you, and it's, it's 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 beautiful, but it's also difficult at times because the the, the spotlights are always on him, uh, also because of his uh, wife, eh, his model. Um, and these expectations were so high and he couldn't live up to that. Uh, and with his disease and what I just told, yeah, that combination was not the best combination for him. And now when he's back in, uh, in Holland, he's now here. I'm not back in Holland, but he's here. It's uh, uh, more calm here. So I think he will uh, regain pleasure and then he can, uh, yeah, he can use the Eredivisie uh, to get back in uh, a big competition in one, two years. Um, and that's what he said yesterday. And uh, he didn't. Uh, the the Mannschaft, uh, the, the the national team, it's in his head. So he didn't give up on that. And he wants to he wants to regain uh, a spot in uh, in the German uh, national team. So that's a big ambition for him. And I hope for him he can make it through. Once again, thank you so much to Marco Timmer for joining us on the show. But you, as a listener, might think, Nick, hang on a moment. There are plenty of other former Bundesliga players currently going after the trade at PSV, and you're absolutely right. And Marco and I didn't forget about those. If you want to hear our chat about players like Philipp Max, Timo Baumgartel, and Lars Unnerstahl, you'll have to join our Patreon channel. Enter patreon.com forward slash talkingfoosball into your web browser, and you'll be given the chance to get your hands on a lot of extra material for the small monthly fee of $3. Welcome back to the show. The fan initiative Unsere Kurve, which translates to Our Stand, has over the last few weeks published a number of papers about how the world of German football should change in terms of how fans can get involved at their clubs and how German football can develop in a sustainable environment. 
On this week's Talking Fußball Extra, Deutsche Welle journalist Felix Tamsud and I dug into all of those papers. On this week's Talking Fußball, you'll be hearing an excerpt of that discussion. And in this excerpt, we'll be talking about the distribution of TV money and how fans think it should change. So here we go. I'll drop you straight into our discussion. If we move on to the next paper, the demands issued in that paper or the sort of solutions offered in that paper, the TV money, they robbed the DFL the wrong way. Because quickly after that paper was published, uh, the topic of it was brought up in a press conference with Christian Seifert, where he was asked about the distribution about, of the TV money, and he went you know, on a, on a bit of a rant saying, well, we have the fairest distribution of the TV money in all of Europe. Our TV distribution is the most equal of all top five leagues. But according to that paper, the distribution of the TV money should change quite drastically. How so? It should change in the sense that um, uh, the, the current system in which uh, the biggest clubs will, by definition, get significant amounts of money or, or amounts of money which are more, which are, uh, what was the number? I think it was 10 times more than the last position club. Eight, eight times more, yeah. Eight times more. Um, we're talking about significant amounts of money that preserve a certain system of power uh, within German football. It means that Borussia Dortmund and Bayern Munich will always um, achieve uh, uh, stupendous amounts of money uh, and will preserve their dominance of German football in the years to come in the current system. Um, I think Christian Seifert is not wrong saying that he that our current system is very very equal is is equal more than the Premier Leagues or whatever that could be the case I don't know. Um, I think his arguments are fair, but what I where what I think he, where I think he's wrong is by making the comparison to other leagues. Germany is not England. Comparing it to England uh, bears with it the assumption that um, the other circumstances are the same, that uh, the, the level of uh, change at the top of German football is the same as in England, that uh, the, the, the preservance of power that exists in England, uh, where you get... Um, what we got like in the last three seasons, three different champions, I think. What Chelsea, City, and Liverpool. Yep. Uh, uh, whereas here we have the same league, the same title holder for eight seasons in a row. So I don't think it's I don't think it, the comparison is fair on a few uh, uh, dimensions. And I really do think Christian Seifert and the DFL, indeed, uh, in general, needs to understand that given the different circumstances, given the structures that fans here have which they don't in England, given the level of, of, of fan involvement which exists here. Um, I really don't think this comparison is fair. Um, and I think Christian Seifert would be, or, or generally the deaf fan, only Christian Seifert, of course, um, they need to understand that that um, it's not only that fans here want to have a stake in their own game. It's not only the fans here want to get involved. Fans here want to see a good competition. And this means... Uh, finding a way of distributing the again stupendous amount of money that German football makes uh, from 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 Sky and from TV stations around the world in a way which would allow other teams to break into the mold of Borussia Dortmund to break into the mold of RB Leipzig and Bayern Munich to to have a fair chance of reaching something be it uh, not I'm not necessarily talking about um, you know five 
teams competing for the title in two seasons. I don't that would think be that's nice realistic. to have two. Yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, we're talking about a realistic chance of other teams winning the title. We're talking about a realistic chance of um, new clubs making it to Europe, clubs who are not, say, Leverkusen and RB Leipzig and Offenheim all the time, or Wolfsburg, <laughs> the exact same clubs every single time. So I think that is this is exactly what fans here uh, want. And I think it's only fair. I mean, again, you see the level of, of, of change you see in the Premier League. Again, the Premier League has its minuses, of course, but you see the level of sporting change which exists at the top in the Premier League. And sometimes you get jealous, and I understand that. It's fully understandable. Um, and this is something that the DFL needs to understand, and it's going to be interesting to see um, how they will react to this uh, to this paper in the future. Apart from this uh, very understandable Christian <laughs> Seifert quote, um, as a, as a direct reaction, anyways. But it's going to be interesting to see how they develop. I mean, I, it would have been interesting to see if he would have been pressed on the details of that, because uh, what the fans actually want in that paper is that the um, money that comes in through. TV rights of international competitions, the Champions League, the Europa League, that that goes into the mix when the TV money is distributed among all German sides. So mm-hmm. the thing is, right now, as as of now, teams like Bayern, Dortmund, Leverkusen, they keep the money from the Champions League, whilst the rest of the league, they don't get a penny of that money. And that in itself, given that Bayern makes actually more money from the Champions League than from national competitions. There's quite a discrepancy. I mean, right now, uh, for the last season, Bayern generated a, a whopping total of 256 million euros of TV money. Dortmund was in second place, uh, 173 million, so that's a little bit behind there. And after that, you know, you have two more teams that made it over the 100 million and the rest of the league is just, you know, below 100 million euros. And um, it's it's part partly to blame on uh, in, in small amounts that the uh, distribution for the international TV rights money is completely idiotic because you have sort of a minimum amount that every team gets and then the rest of it is decided on your performance in Europe over the last five or ten years, which is... Um, you know, again, it gives more money to Bayern than it gives money to, for instance, Union Berlin or SC Freiburg or Hertha Berlin. And if you do know one thing, uh, a team like Union Berlin, they do generate a fair amount of interest abroad, but that is not reflected in how the TV money is distributed. Absolutely. I mean, they're not the only ones. You have so many clubs here which have... Yeah, which generate this interest abroad, not only in the Bundesliga. I mean, FC St. Pauli are probably the best example of that. Uh, a second division club, which is probably more watched uh, abroad than all of the other Zweite Bundesliga clubs combined. Um, <laughs> and there's a reason for that. And the reasons for that, and the fact that they're like that, does not um, generate them a single cent in TV money. I think the system needs to be um, re- thought through. I, re- I, do, I also think the precedent is there. If I recall, there was a precedent from the, ne- the Netherlands where, who was it, Ajax, I think? Ajax, yeah. Who basically um, spread their, their 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 Champions League money throughout the league? Um, I think I think I think this is generally the way to go. I really do think that clubs in Germany need to understand uh, I'm mostly talking about the top clubs of course they need to understand that they also have an interest of keeping the Bundesliga competitive they have an interest of keeping the Bundesliga interesting keeping the Bundesliga interesting would necessarily mean more interest abroad it would necessarily mean 
uh, uh, better football. It would necessarily mean that uh, uh, the level of support which they enjoy in other countries would is more is very likely to increase. And by looking at their own bank bank account, and that's it. Uh, uh, clubs like Bayern Munich are are arguably Bayern Munich is, and Borussia Dortmund are probably the exception to the rule in that sense because they're so big uh, abroad that uh, I'm not sure it really matters. But I think generally speaking, generating more interest and generally generating more sporting interest, more like is the interest of every single club in Germany, including the bigger ones. Um, it's a shame that some executives don't understand that, and it's a shame that some executives only see their their own clubs and their own bank accounts, and that's how, that's not how German football will go forward. I mean, and the fan representatives um, apparently do, according to this paper, which is very detailed and um, again shows the guidelines which fans expect to be followed. And it's going to be interesting to see how German football's executive handle those. I mean, one one of the things um, that would change drastically is the amount of TV money that goes to the Bundesliga 2. Um, I mean, right now, uh, the the top earners in the Bundesliga 2 make around 20, 21, 22 million euros uh, from the TV money deal. And uh, from the new deal, uh, the bottom owners of the Bundesliga 2 would make that much money, uh, whilst uh, the top owners would have made around 31, 30 million euros uh, for the seasons they've played. Um, and uh, as, as we said, in the Bundesliga, things would change drastically as well. I mean, they give two examples in their paper. Uh, for instance, Bayern uh, made five times the amount of TV money than SC Freiburg, who finished the season in eighth, I think. Uh, and eight times the amount of uh, SC Paderborn. With their model, uh, those numbers would change to Bayern making 2.2 times the amount of SC Freiburg and 2.8 times the amount of SC Paderborn. And it would still allow Bayern to keep the lion's share of their Champions League earnings, but the TV money uh, revenue would be reduced quite drastically from 256 million euros to 140 million euros. But what they're basically saying is that if we spread the money around more equally, Bayern could be a more challenged club at the top. And additionally, matches like Hertha Berlin against SC Paderborn could be interesting. Absolutely. And I think this is, again, it's also very interesting to see, the you mentioned the comparison to the Zweite Bundesliga. I think there is a reason uh, um, the difference in, 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 in quality between the Bundesliga and Zweite Bundesliga um, is at times so extreme that sides who get promoted find it very, very difficult to survive. I mean, there's almost... There's almost every, almost every season we get this Bundesliga, this newly promoted Bundesliga side, which crashes completely. Uh, we've had uh, Paderborn last season. Um, um, I mean, Fortuna Düsseldorf survived for one season and then crashed completely. The following uh, got relegated. Um, Bielefeld are next in line. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, I personally think Bielefeld are, are, are likely to, to sort of be the exception because they have very good structures within their squad. But I think it is a relative exception in that sense because the Bielefeld squad has been running for a few years and they've, they've done some good job there in terms of uh, the structure of the squad. But I really do think that uh, this level of, 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 of uh, instability uh, that you get um, within this echelon of team of teams that sort of are 
sort of in the in the in the level in between the erste and the zweite Bundesliga. Let's call it this way. Let's say that we're talking about three four clubs in the zweite Bundesliga and maybe three four clubs in the erste Bundesliga. Um, that's exactly where this difference uh, uh, comes across in the most extreme way. And this is exactly where there's room for improvement. Um, again, I have I have my reservations about whether German football's executives will be willing to make those compromises for the sake of German football becoming more competitive. But it's going to be interesting to see mostly how the authorities, how the, how the German football's governing bodies handle those things. We all know that representatives from Unser Fußball will now uh, be part of the uh, Zukunft Profi Fußball working group uh, uh, established by the DFL and the DFB. And it's going to be interesting to see what comes out of it. Um, but I have my reservations about whether German, about club executives mostly, uh, arguably, uh, whether they'll be uh, willing to accept just such a yeah, I mean, when, see as a significant loss in, in income for... When, um, whenever this topic what? has come up in the past, uh, the likes of Karl-Heinz Rummenigge and uh, Uli Hoeneß have said, no, 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 we... we uh, I mean, either we should change the TV revenue to each club represent itself and Bayern would make a lot more money, uh, or we should maybe start thinking about starting that European Super League. And, I mean, that is something those clubs have in common with their counterparts in Spain, Italy, wherever you turn. I mean, whenever whenever the topic of redistributing TV money comes up, that's the threat. And the little guys, they just, you know, they don't pick that fight. But, uh, yeah, in, in terms of keeping the Bundesliga interesting, um, to give you one example, uh, Bayern squad that featured on match day one that was purchased for over 200 million euros whilst uh, Bielefeld fielded a team that uh, um, you know was put together with a whopping transfer money of 400,000 euros and when you when you see the discrepancy in those numbers uh, you could for instance take it one f- even further saying okay Bielefeld's squad is valued at 40 million euros by transfer market whilst Bayern's squad is valued at roughly 850 million euros I mean, we're talking two different sports here, aren't we? Between the biggest boys of the league and, you know, the guys who are fighting it out at the bottom. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I think uh, the, the, this comparison between that case uh, at Ajax and how they uh, chose the, all, all of their own choice to give uh, certain parts of their uh, Champions League uh, income to the smaller clubs in the Netherlands um, and the way Bayern handles uh, has been handling their their uh, their business in Germany. It's just. Such, it's such a stark difference at times that it makes you think that Bayern almost, I mean, obviously I'm not saying that Bayern should start caring about German football. Bayern cares first and foremost about Bayern, and that's understandable. Um, I do think that they, given the situation that we're in in German football, given that we're in a situation where the top two teams are basically set and... and um, arguably top four are the top three at the very least are arguably set in Germany and the rest will battle it out where we'll, where we'll in many cases get the same three, four teams battling it out. Uh, this stagnation hurts Bayern Munich and it would, it will hurt Borussia Dortmund in the long term. And the fact that Uli Hoeneß and Karl-Heinz Rummenigge only think about it as we have to compete with Manchester City in the Champions League, we have to compete with Paris Saint-Germain and their sovereign state behind them, it's it sort of ignores the 
Bundesliga being of real importance to them. And that's a real shame because the level of um, talent they get from within their own league, um, the hat they've been getting from within their own league along the years, uh, has been invaluable also to the big teams. And the fact that uh, they don't see uh, or they, they they see it in a, what I could perceive as a relatively short-sighted way, um, the way they perceive the rest of the league is 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 a real real shame, and could it result in a in a super league? I mean, the 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 football league's document suggests that that's what Bayern wants, anyways. So I mean, um, they can make that threat as much as they want, but at the end of the day, uh, first of all, large parts of their own fans are against it. Their own match-going fans, arguably. Second of all, um, this would set a precedent which would basically say we're bigger than the league, we're bigger than German football. And I'm not sure, given how society here is structured and given how uh, uh, football support here is structured, I think this might be the level of, of, of the, the, the I, I want to say arrogance, but there's probably a better word, uh, which I'm not sure will, will be forgiven in the long run. And again, Bayern and Dortmund, and again, the team which not many of us like to talk about, but RB Leipzig, the, the teams that um, that keep it at the top in the past few years, they have an interest of the rest of the league uh, uh, providing talent. Even if you look at it in the most, uh, yeah, in the most, uh, um, yeah, in the big versus small way, they need uh, uh, they need a pool of talent, if you will. So in that sense. They have an interest of other teams doing well in a way, and I think they don't understand it enough. I think they also don't understand the importance of sporting competition in the long run in terms of uh, support mostly from abroad, because in Germany it's very locally oriented and stuff. We all know that. But in terms of, uh, um, you know, finding new markets abroad and stuff, competition is key. And there is a reason the Premier League is the most supported league abroad. Because the level of competition there is very, very high. Mm. Um, and I think the formula needs to be found within German football, which allows this competition to take place within the structures and within the means and within the USPs, the unique selling points German football has, which is which are fan involvements, which are uh, community-oriented football, which are uh, understanding that football clubs are our local institutions and this balance needs to be found and i think this 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 paper by uh, the uh, unser football initiative again it sets a, sets a certain standard that it's going to be interesting to see how it will be handled in the future once again thank you so much to felix tamzut for joining us on our show make sure to join our patreon channel if you want to listen to the entire episode of talking foosball extra you'll find us at patreon.com forward slash talking foosball this episode has as always been produced by aiden rain tool my name is nick viltang i hope you enjoyed the show make sure to follow us on twitter at talking foosball give us a like on facebook and feel free to write our podcast on itunes we'll be back next week featuring all the action from match day four but before that flo and james are going to be back with another edition of talking foosball's own fantasy podcast until then it's goodbye for now